Wonderful, thank you. So a few announcements from some more wonderful things that are happening. The women's group meets once a month, and this Saturday is the day that they are meeting, June the 10th. The special guest facilitator is Gloria Michaelchuk, presenting A Movement and Writing Journey. The group will meet from 10 a.m. until noon, and you can sign up at the events table. So this is a really unique um, meeting 
uh, for this group this weekend. Now, for the past year, I've had people coming up to me asking, when are those teens going to do their talent show again? Well, guess what? July 10th is the date. Random Acts of Talent is coming back to center stage. Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> featuring our fabulously talented teens, some new ones that you won't have seen before. And uh, in addition to our teens, we have some other very special guest singers coming all the way from Nashville who are part of International Centers for Spiritual Living. Michael and Diane Woody were in my graduating ministerial class, so I do know them a little bit. They are going to be touring Alberta right then, and they are going to join us that night. Their group is called the Woodies because they're Diane and Michael Woody. Um, so uh, please come and help support our teens. I mean, you're going to have a great time. Uh, who was there last year? Was that just not the most fabulous evening of entertainment? We have some very talented, funny, and delightful teens. Uh, tickets are $15. They're already available at the events table, so we look forward to seeing you July 10th at 7 p.m. And then our first ever Canadian Circle of Love gathering in Kelowna, BC is happening August 17th to the 20th this summer. You will experience brilliant speakers, experiential workshops, sacred and powerful music, and lots and lots of connection. You can register, get registration information at the uh, welcome table as well. And last but not least, Robin Walters, our very own Robin Walters, and Anna Beaumont, who we all know, um, are presenting uh, The Voice Lessons, a series of workshops, and uh, they say everyone has a voice and everyone wants to sing, and they're here to guide us through that process. So check the bulletin in your program for more information on that. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So good morning, everybody. Reverend Patrick has been a good friend of mine for many years, so I'm so glad to finally come and share this wonderful space with this wonderful spiritual community. I've heard about all of you for years, so I'm glad to finally see you. The mystic Sufi poet Rumi said this, enough with such questions. All of your talk is worthless when compared to one whisper of God from the silence. In the silence there is In the silence there is unspoken joy In the silence there's From a world full of chaos, 
What I tell you? <laughs> Was that a fantasy come true or not? Thank you so much, Jack. Whoa, you're in for more. Our uh, practitioners in service this week are Reverend Pat Bordeaux, Tammy Banting, Marsha Hoskins, Cassandra Van Merlin, and Elizabeth Manuel. <clears throat> practitioners are always delighted to be in service because anything you give you receive many times over again. And so they are available for meditation before each service in the morning and for minute ministry afterwards. And those opportunity for you cards in your program are really an opportunity for you to create and manifest something wonderful for you personally. So fill it out, drop it in the offering basket, and let uh, these ladies know the highest and best for you this week and always. And so now I will invite Elizabeth to come up and do the reading. Good morning. Welcome. This morning's reading is taken from The Power of Kindness by Piero Ferrucci. By being more attentive, you are also luckier. How come some people always seem to be lucky and all the coincidences go their way? Is it just chance Or is there another reason? An English psychologist, Richard Wiseman, discovered that lucky people were lucky because of personal characteristics rather than some mysterious fate. He found that it was their character. Through interviews and tests, Wiseman found, among other things, that lucky people are more relaxed and that they tend to see not only what they are looking for, but also what they are not looking for. They are open to the new and unexpected, while others, less lucky and often more neurotic, are more closed. They look only for what they have in mind and often do not find it. The lucky ones are those who multiply their chances as they notice an article in the newspaper, hear in a conversation a comment that might be useful to them, spot a banknote on the ground, and do not let a happy opportunity pass. All this happens not by magic, not out of luck, but because they are open and present and in resonance with the chances life brings, while others less fortunate are closed in their fantasies, we've got fantasies going on today, and obsessed with their impossible desires. The fortunate ones are simply more attentive. 
Attention to the present renders everything more interesting because the world, rather than being an indistinct shadow, takes ever newer forms. And it is my pleasure to welcome our senior minister, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning and welcome. Beautiful day. Do you feel lucky? All right. Well, it is a day. Uh, today we're having a discussion about aligning and attracting. And so it's never too late for a New Year's resolution. So, Aligning with the divine in 2009. How about that? You can run with that one. And so I'm going to ask you where you are in your present moment. Are you thinking about tomorrow? Are you thinking about something that happened this week? Because there's a simple little practice. I've been in the back going like this. For the last 10 minutes. Because what I realize is that I start to think about what I'm going to share with you. So I'm futurizing. And the future is always the right side. So what I want to do is I want to step out of that right side back into the present moment. So for me, this is the move. And it only takes an inch. But it, it's that NLP of stepping back into present moment. Now, if I'm worried about the past, something I've done, then I'm, then I'm in the left side. That's the past. And I want to step out of the left into the center. So we're going to do a little bit of that. We're going to do the little pasteurizing, futurizing shuffle today before we go. So get limbered up. Anyway, I want, to, I, want to think, I want you to think about that in this moment because this is, this is powerful stuff that we share. And so we're going to go into our song and then we're going to go into an affirmative prayer. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Great to have you here. We love it. We are very proud of what we do here. We are, we are a, 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 a cutting edge of consciousness on this planet, in this community. And we're making a huge difference in the individual and collective lives of those that participate here, their family, friends. And we do that through the spiritual practice that we encourage and support one another in and so that the evolution of consciousness has a chance to blossom and flower. It's about allowing. It's about aligning and attracting. And so it's very paradoxical. So I'm going to invite you in this moment, if you're over in the right, thinking about tomorrow or thinking about the next 15 minutes, just nudge yourself back in the present moment. And then if you're back in last week, nudge yourself back in the present moment. And with that said, I think we're as prepared as we can be in this moment for this sacred covenant. So if you know the song, sing along, and we'll move into prayer. If you'd like to stand with me and take a stand for who and what you are, and you might be able to shift a little bit there while you stand, too, and do the shuffle. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room. In this very room, 
this very room. So I invite you to know with me in this moment. This is the eternal moment. This is now. And so we plant seeds right now, not based or contingent upon the past, nor predicated on the future, but to know that this is our moment of power. So what I know, <clears throat> invite you to know with me, is there's one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence, in and through and as all of life, in and through and as you and I. We are that portal. We are that doorway. And so we say welcome to that divine inspiration, to the infinite genius of the universe that is seeking expression right here and right now. For it is not personal. It is a principle. And like water, it finds the easiest path to reveal itself. And so may we be porous and permeable, standing in the suppleness of life and understanding that there's nothing to fix, nothing to do, but something to know and something to be in this moment. And we are it now. So whatever is alive in us that is creating any discourse, disease, distress, we put it down. We let it go. We know that the infinite intelligence within us guides us and leads us. That there is something within us that does know when we don't know. And we go there. And we go there by being open and receptive and saying yes to life. And so I just give thanks in this moment for a fabulous, amazing day together. A day that inspires lives, touches people, friends and family that aren't here with us today. But the energetic that we carry with us as a result of being here and sharing in this celebration is transformative. This is my knowing. This is my agreement. This is my vow. I say yes to this and so much more. And I invite you to say it with me. And so it is. Please be seated. Thank you, Brown. Aligning with the divine in 2009. I've been working out of Victoria Castle's beautiful book, The Trance of Scarcity. And we've sold, I don't know, what, 175 copies of this? And more on the way. Beautiful book, simple, simple things, but just powerful powerful things to reflect in our lives. And I think we live in such a great time, in such a great period of information available, made available to us that can allow us to borrow someone else's experience without having to recreate the wheel all the time. Isn't that a nice thing? You know, I was listening to Jack sing in the silence, and it's one of my favorite songs, and we've done it a few times, and, and I, I love the space in between. You know, there's, there's just this beautiful moment to, to absorb the space in between where we can shift out of whatever it is. It's not more and more information. I was watching Joel Olstein this morning, and I love Joel. And Joel is this young, if you've ever watched his television program, he's a preacher down in Houston, Texas. He's got a, I think it's, he fills the Astrodome. I don't know what he fills, but it's about 18,000 people on a Sunday. And Joel was on a roll this morning, and it was great. And I love him. I love his energy because he really teaches the, the prosperity gospel. And he's criticized for that. But he's very, he's very close many times to, if not dead on, from the, because truth is truth to what we teach and what we celebrate. But Joel was going on and on today about how, you know, in the economic times, we've got to show up and we've got to be our best. Times are tough out there, and you've got to show up. And, you, and he's using these Bible metaphors to illustrate how you've got to show up and you've got to be present. You've always got to be working on yourself. You've always got to be improving. Man, after about 10 minutes, I had to shut him off. I was exhausted. <laughs> Holy cow, Joel. Take a breath. Because what I realize is that, you know, that's very popular. It's a very popular idea. Victoria talks about it in her book. She said that Americans <clears throat> work nine, nine times more. Uh, they take nine times less. I should look it up. But they take about a week of vacation a year. And I remember that. You take a week off for the first two and a half days, as she said in here, you sleep. And then you cram every activity that you've been thinking about for the last year into the last four and a half or five days. 
And then you go home and you're completely exhausted and worn out. It's just, you know what, I'm telling you, there's just a beauty about not doing that in comparison to Europe. And I think that, uh, I, I, love, I love that Canadians, you know, so many people here travel much more so than I was used to. It's one of the things that's very attractive to Laura and I when we came here. It's like, hmm. When I was back in my first church, I was gone for a week. They wanted to know where I was every minute of every day. I had a bookkeeper at the Fillmore Church, and I said, you know, I think that, you know, if you started paying me more, I could do more, and I could be more involved with ministry, because I was growing into that idea of full-time ministry. And he said, okay, we'll give you more money. And then his expectation was that I was sitting in that office eight hours a day. And I said, well, you know, I can do that, but I don't think that's why you paid me. You're not paying me. That was very blue-collar in its approach, but that's a very American idea. And, I, and the reason I bring it up is because aligning is really about, it's not about doing more. It isn't that the, that, that the harder you work means that you'll have more. Have you ever done that? You ever think you work a little bit harder? I did that. I have a PhD in that. I had my own construction company. And so if I wasn't making enough money on one job, I'd sell another job. And then if that was going a little bit sideways, I'd sell another job. So then I would have three jobs going at one time, providing no service to anybody, and wondering, and then my mantra and my prayer became, how am I going to get all this done? And that would be an overwhelm, I'd be in anxiety and frustration and fear. What I learned from that is that was no way to live a life. It wasn't fair to my family, it wasn't fair to the people that, that I cared about, it wasn't fair to my clients. And so I got, I got smart about that and I started to increase my price so I could give people more, more of my time because there is, you know, there's that balance of economics as well as the creative production of what I was doing, which was remodeling people's homes for the most part but it was that was such a stretch that was an effort for me because it, it took me out of my comfort zone but see this whole teaching is if you're not you know as you've heard me say a few times get comfortable being uncomfortable because it never stops it never it never we never stop growing in that but I'm talking about this idea of genius living in the genius genius means little more than the faculty of perceiving in a habitual way so living in the genius and that's possible for all of us when Jack writes a song or Robin writes a song or Jordan's doing his music, or Jonathan's doing his drums, or, or, or um, Sue's doing a new, a new song. It's, it's, it's that opportunity for the genius to emerge. And she, there's some beautiful illustrations in this chapter on aligning and attracting. She talks about this woman, Gerilyn, and Gerilyn does recipes. And so she'll work on things, work on things, and then she'll put it down. She'll go out and do something else. Because that's the way the infinite communicates. That's been my experience. As a young guy in school, I couldn't... I would become overwhelmed but with the information. I just couldn't absorb. I mean, Barb tells me all the time. She watches me. Barb and I, Barb Gobert, our uh, administrative assistant, we were in Seattle last week for branding. And after about three or four hours of information, I just can't absorb anymore. I'm just fidgeting. I'm just like this you know, six-year-old kid back in parochial school, hoping the nuns don't whack my knuckles one more time with that stick. But I just I couldn't, I couldn't focus. And so the, the label that I got, the perception that I got, I wasn't smart. And what I realized is I just need the breaks. I need a timeout. I need to go walk outside. I need to just go reconnect with something other than the information. So I've learned to work with that. I've learned that that's not, that's just simply how I learn. And I learned it really clearly as an actor when I was doing plays. Doing a lot of plays and, and rehearsing and memorizing lines. Couldn't do it all at once. Laura, and I help, Laura helps me now memorize things because there's certain things I want to memorize. But we have to do it in bits and pieces. It's just the only way that I can absorb it. But it's, it's learning how we all learn. Everybody learns differently. And I had classmates. They could then. They had it all memorized. One glance, they had it memorized. I think, huh, I'm stupid. Never do this. Hmm, what am I going to do? 
But part of it is in this teaching, help me with that. So this aligning is really stepping on it. So this, this Geraldine was writing recipes and she'd, she'd put it down. She'd do all her, she would do some of the science. It's part science and it's part aligning. It's not one or the other. I think sometimes we find the teaching. When I found this teaching, I thought, great. You know, I'm going to be, I want to become master of time, space, and dimension. And then when that's complete, I'll want to go see Europe for a while. That kind of thing. <laughs> and so with, with that... It's powerful stuff for us to step out and, and reconnect, step into that flow. Victoria talks about halt, which is don't do anything when you're too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. We were, we were traveling, oh, there's Sue, we were traveling uh, back to the Asilomar in March, I think it was, and, and Laura and I have this GPS system that we love, and anywhere, everywhere you go, you can find yourself. And so we use it all the time. Laura loves it. If we're going to Safeway in Edmonton, she's clicks in the, the, I say, honey, we're going to Safeway. She says, yeah, but I love this thing. <laughs> okay. And so we're traveling with Sue and Julie Tkotchik and, and Barb Gobert. We went down to check out the, the new event at the Asilomar Leadership Conference. And so I said, here, plug that in. And so we plugged it in and they said, let's find it because we, we left real early on a Sunday morning. We got down there. We were all hungry. So let's go find something to eat, someplace to eat breakfast. And so we plug in and there's this, uh, I don't know, lumberjack pancake house, I think it was, right? And I said, hey, that looks good. Let's, yeah, everybody want pancakes? Sure, let's go. And so we take off, and we're driving. And now I know where Asilomar is. It's south of San Francisco, and we're driving north. And so after about, I don't know, 10, 15 miles, I pulled over. I said, you know, we're going in the wrong direction. And I looked. and said, let me see that thing. And what we hadn't done is we hadn't set it for San Francisco. We were driving back to the Lumberjack Pancake House on 75th Street, right down the road here. <laughs> And I said, Sue, because Sue was navigating. I said, when it says, it tells you when you're going to get there and how far away you are. I said, Sue, when it says 2,536 kilometers, and we will be there in 36.7 hours, probably means we're a long way away. But what a great metaphor for our life. Sometimes we're so certain of direction and where we're going, and we're just, we get into that certitude. And aligning requires us to step out of that at times and really reassess. There's nothing wrong with... And see, this idea that working harder and doing more is more productive. It, 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 it makes sense, and yet it's counterproductive to allowing the genius that wants to emerge by means of you and I to, to, to uh, reveal itself. And so there's wonderful practices in here. It, that whole thing about soma, you know, our body and how we store the energy and how we, how we hold on to things. I was talking to Jack before the, the service this morning, and... He was taught, I said, Jack, you get tired of being on the road? And he said, yeah, there are parts of it, but he said, it's, it's, it's enlivening for me. You know, there's a, there's a creativity, and, a, and I feel like I'm alive, and I'm, I'm, I'm energized by it. And so what Jack is talking about is stepping into that flow. He's talking about stepping into that aligning. And I find for myself, it's, it's been great practice for me to realize many times I'm off in the future, I'm in the past, and it's really about bringing myself back to present moment awareness. And I find through spiritual practice that's happened more and more and more. I don't, it's not that I don't ever forget or that life is not a challenge at times. It is. It's still, be, it's still a challenge, but I have better tools to bring myself back into alignment. I have better tools to communicate what's going on. I have better tools in awareness to honor self. Because when we're honoring ourselves in that way, we honor everybody. Then everybody can count on you. You know, if you're running around like a, a man with his hair on fire looking for a bucket of water, 
and people want to have a conversation with you. And I, I, and I live my life like that. I mean, the, 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 the separation from applying these principles and these tools in my life that we teach and support, and, and my present moment uh, awareness and sense of being, you know, 20 years ago, is completely different. There's a story of Larry in here. I don't know if you've read the book, but I'm gonna t- it's a wonderful illustration of it. Larry, is, uh, <clears throat> he gets up every morning and he runs. He's got a ritual. He runs. He gets out and he gets his heart pumping and he's running. And so they, she said to Larry, you know, what's, what's up with you? Because he always had this great attitude and he was on top of his game. And she said, tell me about your experience. And he said, well, if you could have seen me 10 years ago, it wasn't this. He said, but I realized through that practice, and this is part of the, 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 the discipline, the practice of preparing oneself for the day. So Larry gets up every morning and he runs. He said, I went through this period of depression, darkness, divorce, lost job, all the things fell apart. And he said, I moved in with a friend of mine because it's the only place I could live. And his friend said, come on, run with me every day. He said, it's part of my ritual now. And what that running has done for me is I'm now uh, sweeter, smarter, and sexier. That's the way Larry puts it. I like sweeter, smarter, and sexier. It's a good thing. But the point being for all of us, and Victoria talks about practice in here. She talks about the, uh, the various practices that, <clears throat> that help align us with the flow. They include meditation, tai chi, journaling, dancing, creating, art, singing or playing music, yoga, most exercise, being outside in nature, inspirational reading, and mindful breathing, to name a few. And so she says, explore the ones that work for you. But I think it's imperative. I think it's so... The Dalai Lama says when he has a... He, every morning he gets up and meditates for two and a half hours. But when he has a really busy day, he meditates for four and a half hours. <clears throat> we want to bring our clarity to it. We want to bring our clarity and, and our insight and our aligning to, to the situation. There's a wonderful story in here about Monique. Single mom, when she was 19 years old, she lived in foster homes. She had been treated despicably on multiple occasions and lived at the poverty level for over three years. She said, when I met Monique, she was refreshingly honest and insightful, able to tell her story without bitterness. Because those are just the facts. We've all been broke. I told a story yesterday. We had a practitioner retreat here. I told a story. I was in Sam Goldwyn's office, Sam Goldwyn's son, in Beverly Hills, and I worked for a contractor. And they had me in this closed environment, no open windows, and I'm priming his ceiling with oil-based paint. And after about an hour and a half, I am as high as a kite. I mean, I, I, my head was spinning. I was starting to get a headache. And, you know, and there was no place to get any air. And I, Had I been in a little more mindful, I probably would have taken better care of myself. Anyway, I kicked over a can of paint right on Sam's carpet. And then I decided, rather than call and tell people, hey, I messed up, I went down to the supply house and bought a five-gallon jug of paint thinner. I came back to clean it up. And I spent the rest of the afternoon cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. And, and what it did was it lifted the carpet. It was one of those glue-down carpets. It lifted the whole carpet up. But I got the paint out. The only problem was Sam had this great big bubble in his carpet, you know. And so uh, instead of calling and saying what happened, I, just, I was going on vacation the next day. I went on vacation for a week. Guess what? When I got back, I didn't have a job. They fired me. And you know what I knew about that? Looking back at it, it was, I was, you know, I was you know, up to, unhappy with the whole situation, but I was done with that work. And I knew I was done months before. But I didn't have the awareness and clarity to step out. I didn't have the, the, the courage to say, you know what, I'm done with this. And so when we're done with something, we're going to be done with it one way or another. I learned so much by that. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I'd, I'd go to workshops, and they'd say, do you have any unresolved issues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Sam Goldwyn. 
Sam didn't know anything about it. He probably just walked in one day and said, what is this? You know, and it smelled like paint thinner in there for everywhere. It's just no ventilation other than the air conditioning. But the point being is, it's not something I've ever been proud of, but I had to forgive myself and I had to realize, you know what, I was done with that. And it was time to move on. And so what I do now is after that, because that was so painful, I realized when I'm done with something, say you're done. Excuse me, I'm all done with this. I'm, I'm going to be leaving now. Thank you all so much. Bless you. Learn so much and move on. But how many of us have the awareness? Because when you're in that state of fear and lack and limitation, this is the kind of things we create. So was I in, in alignment there? No, but it was a great lesson for me. And it was so painful I realized I'll never do that again. I will never operate on this planet like that again. And it was just laziness. It was being done. It was being indifferent. It was being uh, all of those qualities that you can jump into. And I share it with you because it's, it's true. It's the reality of my story. So Monique, she's had, this, she's had this situation. But she doesn't speak about it in bitterness because she's moved through this. And she said, she said, my history doesn't define me. See, my history with Sam Goldwyn doesn't define me. That was, so much has changed and shifted. I have friends that contact me now on the inter internet that remember me from high school and university. You're a what? You're a, a minister? You're a spiritual director? You? What happens is we think that, that life is static. See, we're here to grow, and we're here to grow into our best selves. I didn't, you know, I didn't start out brilliant and a genius. It was, you know. <laughs> it's true. I didn't. <laughs> Jack's having a hard time believing that. It's true, Jack. You know? She said, in just a few short... She says, my history doesn't define me. So I'll get to that. In just a few year, short years, Victoria says, I watched Monique go from working as a waitress to attending an excellent college on scholarship, from being shy to becoming a community spokesperson for child advocacy, from being single to marrying one of the finest men I've ever had the pleasure to know. And Monique was... Was Monique worthy? We think we have to be worthy. Absolutely. Did she want to go... Did she want what she got? You bet she did. But what made her irresistible to her desire was her steady confidence. She did not leave the welcome mat out for worry and doubt. She rested in a sense of self-assurance. And so what she started to do, she started to uh, compile a chest full of stuff. And, and so she said, my, and, and with the idea that my future husband's going to love this stuff, he must be getting closer because she could feel it. Because what she was doing was shifting and changing. When I met Laura, she had a treasure map. And she pulled it out one day. And the other than the fact that this guy had this amazing six-pack, it, it was our story, you know? <laughs> it just had all the things on there. She said, you, do you prefer the... She had a whole list of questions. Do you prefer the ocean over the mountains? Hmm. Mountains. Good answer. Go ahead. <laughs> the trunk was indeed amazing. Sturdy, ornate, and loaded with charm. What Monique said is, I knew... She said to her husband when he showed up, I knew you were coming. And so I've been collecting things to give you. This is my dowry to you, my belief in us. Remembering her words still gives me shivers. But it's, 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 we don't get what we want. See, what we think in the world. When I was listening to Joel this morning, and I, and I love Joel, but it's not wanting harder. Our spiritual practice cannot be wanting harder. I'm going to want, oh, I'm going to want this into my life. See, wanting keeps what we want at arm's length. We get not what we want, we get what we expect. See, I've learned that. As soon as I step out of the flow and I start to, I start to manipulate and, and try and force whatever it is into my experience, it never happens. But when I, when I move with the expectancy, when we move with the expectancy of great good coming into our lives, the next great idea, the next great opportunity, the next way that we can be of service 
you know, that's what we're looking at in, in our community right now. We have some amazing things happening that I'm going to start sharing with you over the next few weeks as we get them more formalized. But powerful, wonderful things are happening. And it's exciting. Because what we've done collectively is we've helped create that consciousness. That's the power in community. I mean, I'm sure if I got Jack up here and asked him, because he sees community after community after community each week, for the most part. He's on the road every week sharing his music. But what we get to do is we get to be clear about what it is we want to do, collectively and individually. And so aligning is so important. And then attracting, because then we can attract because what we expect shows up in our lives. See, I expect great good. We set the budget every year. I always expect that or more. And every year we've had that or more with our budget. Because what we have to offer here has great value. And we also are able then to expand our reach and, and our impact in the world. And it's not just economic, but the economics is one way we, we, we keep this thing moving. I wanted to just touch on a, you know, today we're celebrating Father's Day in a way here today. And I want to share with you uh, my journey with, with being a father uh, a little bit. And it, it really talks about aligning and trusting. And I had, I've had a few men in my life that have really been fathers to me. I've had coaches in sports that have really stepped up and been mentors, wonderful people. I've had a lot of great people step up. Uh, and my, my own dad was a great teacher for me uh, because I watched, for the most part, I watched how he operated and I watched how he never, my father probably never was in alignment. He was always scared, always fearful, always nervous, always reacting, uh, either in the past or the pre present, but, but never did I feel that he was in alignment. And so I took from that, I realized I can't live like that. He was my inspiration to find something that, that connected me deeply. With my own, I have two children. The hardest part about coming to Edmonton for me was really I had two, I have two children. They're both, one, my daughter Megan is 25, my son Matt, we went down two weeks ago and watched him graduate from high school. And years ago, when Matthew was born, about three years old, I knew that something was up with Matthew. He was unique and different. Uh, I took him into the Payless shoe store one day to get him a new pair of tennis shoes, and he didn't want the, the black and white Keds. He wanted the Barbie shoes with the lights on the back that's, that's flashed, the pink and white ones. Uh, got him into soccer, bought him all the soccer stuff. He wanted nothing to do with soccer. Bought him all, and I knew enough to realize I wasn't going to force him to play soccer. He wasn't going to let me force him. Then I got him into the softball stuff, and he didn't want to play any softball. And so in my observation, I realized, you know what? He's just, he's, he's doing his own thing, and he's wired a little differently. So years went by, and years went by, and then when I moved here, I, I wasn't in immediate contact with them. But finally, Matt came to visit, and one of his visits, um, we sat down, and I said, does your mother ever talk to you about dating? Now he's 16, I think. And he said, nope, nope, it's none of her business. And my sense had always been that Matthew was gay, my son. But we never had the conversation. And so I said to him finally, because I was getting some coaching from my other two stepsons, because they, they already knew, but they'd been asked not to say anything. So there was sort of this, they kept saying, don't say anything to him. Because I kept asking these guys, look, I want to have this conversation. And, and I want to just have this, because what happens when we have a secret, it just, it just filters everything in a way that's not healthy have the real conversation. And so I sat down with him and I just said, you know, does your mom ever talk about dating? He said, nope. And I said, well, Mac, I could be wrong, but my sense has always been that you're gay. And he said, yep, I am. And he said, you know, and he said to me, and if I were, if I were a, a, a heterosexual, would I have to tell you that too? I said, no, no. <laughs> it's okay, I get it. I just, and I, so what I got to say to him and I don't think I could have said it with as much clarity and as much love as I, without our teaching and all the teachers that have come into my life and all the people that have modeled things for me. 
But I looked at him and I said, I just want you to know how much I love you. I just adore you. I think that you are an amazing young man. And it, it just shifted everything for us in terms of this sort of, ah, you know, that, 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 and that life could be celebrated. Because all of us, if we look at the world and we can, we can buy into opinions, but everybody's life energy and gifts are necessary. And so for me to share that with him and, and just tell him how much I loved him and supported him, I said, Matt, my only, my only thought about this in any way, shape, or form is I always want the best for you. I always want you to be safe. And, and, and so we had this beautiful conversation. And, and since then, everything has just shifted for us. We have this really wonderful... Co- I mean, we had, we had communication before, but it wasn't at that level of depth of, of trust and honesty and integrity. So it was a beautiful, beautiful experience for me. But I want to share that with you because it is in those moments sometimes. And I think when we have those honest moments, we do align. We do show up and we, we step into the alignment with one another and the honesty and the integrity and the beauty of who and what we are. I want to leave you with this because I think it, uh, Victoria has got... We're going to have the discussion a few more weeks. But Victoria says this. I think this is so powerful and wonderful. She said, she said now here's the curveball. I encourage you to confidently expect without not being attached to an outcome. Confidently expect without being attached to the outcome. Jesus said that. Be in the world but not of the world. Expect it, but then let it go. Yes, the money will be great. The job would be perfect. The relationship would be wonderful. But they in themselves are not what has value. It's what they provide that we are really interested in. The sense of security or freedom. The experience of happiness or belonging. We can claim those states as our inner reality with or without the associated tangibles. It's the the essence behind the form that really matters to us. And when we live in that, already is, we are irresistible to the flow of abundance in this universe. So it's really the commitment to, to continue to become irresistible to that flow. In every way, shape, and form. And when we're not in that flow, to step back in. To do that, stepping back in, whenever we step out. How about if everybody stands up right now with me, and let's step back in. So if you're futurizing or that's your tendency, step back in. And you can do this anywhere. All right, you ready? If you're pasteurizing, now remember, future's to the right, past is to the left. Wherever you find yourself dwelling, just it, it takes this much. But I'll tell you something, it's powerful to do it. So one, two, three, let's take our step together. Back into the flow, right here and right now. That's all it takes. It's... it's It's in the twinkling of an eye, as it says in Scripture. And so it is. Go out and have an amazing week. Thank you, Reverend Patrick. Hello again. Ah, First of all, I have to acknowledge your wonderful musicians and the wonderful creativity you have here at the Center. As Patrick said, I I have the honor, I've created a life where I get to travel all around the world, actually, and um, I don't say this to all centers, but you guys are great, and thank you so much. Um, I've invited them to join me on this song, and um, um, Robin just mentioned earlier that my parents, um, uh, I was raised by two Pentecostal ministers, both mom and dad, and as we say, a full recovery is expected. But you know, it's all perfect. Now I've come full circle and realized that um, my path was absolutely perfect, and I'm so grateful for all that my parents taught me in the way that they did. And so that ties into this song I'd like to share with you this morning, because um, when I first left that church, I harbored a little bit of resentment. 
and I had to come back and have full healing. And that's why I love our teaching so much because we teach that God is in all places. It's in the fundamentalist church down the way. It's in the Catholic church down here, and it's right here within all of us. And everyone is on their perfect path. And the less we judge that, the better. And it's so wonderful to know that no matter what appearances there are, that everything, everything, everything is holy. When I was a boy each week, Sunday we would go to church, listen to my daddy preach. He would read the holy word, consecrate the holy bread. Everyone would kneel and bow. Today the only difference is everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. And when I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time Moses split the sea in two. And Jesus made the water wide. And I remember feeling sad. Miracles don't happen still, but now I can't keep track, cause everything's a miracle, everything, everything, everything's a miracle, everything is holy now, everything is holy. Everything is holy now. Everything is holy now. Everything is holy now. Everything is holy now. Wine from water is not so small. Even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles but finding where there isn't one when holy water was rare best it barely wet my now I have to hold my breath Like I'm drowning in a sea of it There used to be a world half there Heaven's second rate hand me down Now I'm walking with a reverend air Everything is holy now Everything is holy now Everything is holy now. Everything is holy now. 
You didn't know Jack, the abundance song that we've been singing for a number of months now was Jack's uh, composition. And are we doing the new one? We're, We're doing, doing a new one? We're doing the new the abundance. version. All right. Cool. As our ushers come forward, as you know, if you're here for the first time, keep your money in your pocket. We thank you so much. We're self-supporting here. Every, every, uh, everything you see, this community has funded. We have no exterior funding at all other than 
the, the generosity of this congregation. So we thank you so much for your blessings. Let us know as we give intentionally and give from that space of alignment. It is my gift and my joy and my honor to celebrate my good and to share my good. And so I know that we come together in that remembrance and that idea. And as we give from that, let us know that it pressed down and overflowing comes back into our lives with so many blessings we can't even describe them. For this I give thanks. This is my knowing. This is my expectation. And I move forward in that alignment, that idea. Together we say, and so it is. So join in with us in celebrating our abundance. My prosperity, I celebrate, I celebrate all of life's goodness for all I need. He's flowing to me more than I need. He's flowing. Now sing with I am worthy, I'm abundant. I am worthy, I am abundant. I am worthy, I am abundant. I celebrate, I celebrate my I celebrate, I celebrate my prosperity. I celebrate, I celebrate all of life's goodness for all I need. He's flowing to me more than I need. He's flowing. Let's hear it. I am worthy, I'm abundant. I am worthy, I am abundant. I can't hear it. practitioners and ministerial team forward join me on the platform let's know this as we leave here today once again aligning is just in the twinkling of an eye let us step into that often and frequently this week grounded in the knowing grounded in that abundance that is seeking us or it is seeking us it is all around us it is through us and as us and so may we have the mindfulness and the awareness to bring ourselves back into that alignment each and every time we forget with that known and directed in this deep knowing of my inner self, I know that I'm reminded frequently and often whenever I forget. For this I give thanks. I move forward with the expectancy of great and wonderful things unfolding in my life. For this I give thanks, and I invite you once again to say with me, and so it is.
Let's sing. Stand and join. 